Los Angeles is a lonely sort of place Even for a boy's first embrace Let me tell you, I'm out here from a very far away Back everyone, this is the Bless You Boys podcast. We've got a little bit of a special edition for you today. Um, the trade deadline, July 31st, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The Tigers made a couple deals. I'm your host, Brandon Day. BlessYouBoys.com, of course, is your home things, your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. And we've got a special guest with us today, um, prospect writer um, who has written for Baseball Prospectus. Um, as well as for ourselves at Bless You Boys and as well as at Minor League Ball before SB Nation sadly rendered that one defunct, Jacob Markle. Jay, how's it going? <laughs> I'm doing really well. I'm happy I finally got the call to be here. Yeah, we tried to do this over the weekend and it just wasn't uh, wasn't working out, but really the timing is perfect. Um, Ashley and I actually recorded a podcast last night that was sort of a preview, and I realized today about noon, because I had to drop everything and do the recap last night, like, well... This is pretty much out of, out of date already. So, very happy to have you on. Um, the Tigers made some moves today. Um, the Tigers did not make one move that we might have might have thought. Um, before we get into the moves they did make, are you surprised that the Tigers held on to Matt Boyd at this point and based on kind of everything else we saw um, around the trade market today? Uh, well, based on the reports that were coming out as of 12 hours ago, no, I'm not surprised they held on to him. Based on the reports as of 24 hours ago, yeah, I would have kind of expected him to get dealt. Um, I wouldn't have minded seeing what he could pull back based on what Granky got. Not that Boyd and Granky are the same thing, but, um, you know, the, the deals for Bauer and Granky make me really interested to see what they could have got, but I really don't have faith that they would have gotten the best package available. And I don't mind keeping Boyd around to build the rotation around. Yeah, I think my take on it based on, you know, kind of what the New York Mets had to pay for Marcus Stroman, um, which wasn't very much, um, you know, based on the Trevor Bauer deal, which was just kind of kind of strange. Um, worked out really well, I thought, for Cleveland, but I'm not really sure I see the Reds or the Padres angle that well there, although the Padres had so much depth. I suppose converting that into one prospect they like better, you know, made some sense to me. But um, in general, yeah, once again, we've kind of come through another trade deadline where you don't really see the top prospects getting dealt. Um, I think for the Tigers to deal Matt Boyd, they had to get, you know, at least, I mean, and putting these in the vaguest of terms, of course, a top 50 bat and probably another bat, you know, in the top 100 or close. Um, to really make it worth their while. And it really doesn't feel like that was out there. And so overall, I think for the most part, um, just taking the temperature of everyone on the site, doesn't feel like anyone is particularly upset that the Tigers decided to hold on to Matt Boyd at this point. <clears throat> Although we'll see. You know, I don't know if, if at any point things are going to get better for them. It's hard to tell with a player like Boyd whether or not teams just wanted to see him do it for a little bit longer and maybe they'll circle back this offseason um, typically teams are more aggressive right now, but again, Boyd is kind of a, kind of a unique asset on the trade market just because he had so much team control left. Um, wasn't really kind of a rental boost us to the playoffs sort of a move. And so maybe it just didn't match out there, but the Tigers did make one key move. Um, especially the one that we expected, which was Shane Green, um, who was dealt to the Atlanta Braves. Um, the Atlanta Braves obviously needed bullpen help. Um, they actually blew a save today, um, uh, before, before the deadline and before they traded for Shane Green, as well as Mark Melanson, 
Um, they got a left-hander, Joey Wentz, who is ranked in the top 10 um, everywhere and, and in some places higher on the Atlanta Braves um, farm system rankings um, and obviously a really good system there. They also picked up uh, 24-year-old Travis Demerit, who's kind of a utility utility player with a good stick. Um, yeah, what are your initial impressions of the uh, the two returns the Tigers pulled here? I don't I don't hate the return. I <laughs> kind of wanted something a little bit better, but I'm not going to complain about this. Um, Wentz is in the middle of a down year, and his fastball velocity is down. But that kind of seems like the after effects of the shoulder and oblique injuries he had last season and from what I read he should be able to get back up to topping out at 95 again like he was before um, Fangraph says his changeup is already plus MLB Pipeline says above average he seems like a well-rounded starting prospect and I, I'm interested to see what he's able to do going forward Demerit um, I've been kind of wanting the Tigers to pick him up for a little while now because he was Rule 5 eligible last year and the year before now I understand why they didn't because the strikeouts were so prevalent and he did not have a recent history of actually hitting which is supposed to be his appeal but <laughs> this year he's been smoking the ball in AAA and um, honestly I'd kind of like to see him in the majors tomorrow in Texas yeah and from the sound of it um, Tigers manager Ron Gardenher I believe has already said something along those same lines like we don't know for sure when he's going to get called up but um it sounds like the Tigers definitely intend on having Demerit um, join the lineup sometime in the near future, and there's definitely room for him. Um, I like the bat quite a bit. He's got um, he's got really good bat speed. Um, obviously, that there's some power there. I think what does he have like 20 home runs in AAA this year? I think he's with Mississippi, the Mississippi Braves. Um, and you know he he runs okay. Um, I keep seeing you know people saying that you know he he probably is more of a left fielder second base type just doesn't really have the arm to play anywhere else but um with the tigers in the shape they're in anyone who can come up and and hit um you know out of the shoot is probably a reasonable thing to to pursue and trade um he does have pretty good plate discipline as well so i think that's you know that that's a nice selling point and something that you know we just see far too often from like fringy hitting prospects in the tiger system where we even have them um where we just have so many like free swinging type guys who don't really have power so um, I think that was a guy, good guy to get. I guess, yeah, from my perspective, I would have liked... I don't mind Demerit, but I kind of feel like he's, you know, he's sort of a throw-in. Um, the Brave system is so full up with prospects, and they're going to have 40-man issues. Um, a guy like him was very expendable. There were a couple catchers that they have, um, you know, and it was probably too much to ask for Contreras, but we did hear rumors about Alex Jackson. Mm-hmm. Who's, he's a guy way down the list. Um, you know, he does have 70 raw power, and supposedly he's decent behind the plate. Um, doesn't do anything real well, but um, someone like that to kind of plug in next to Rogers um, to kind of compete with Griner to see who's going to be the, the second fiddle there, I thought would have been would have been a nice addition. I like Wentz too, and if Wentz had been healthy and had that velocity, um, I think this would would be a very very nice get for him. Um, as it stands, he's he's just a little bit more of a rebound candidate that I would like um, for probably the best closer on the market, at least the best closer that got traded. Um, so I, I don't love it, but um, but I think it's okay, yeah. You know what about Wentz, though, I, I like, is that the Tigers seem to have a good track record with helping guys with an athletic build um, improve on their command. Yeah. You know, like like Manning and Scooble both had command questions, and they kind of sorted those out. Not completely, but got them to be a, a whole lot 
less concerning, and the strikeouts have gone way up for both of them as a result. Again, it's a, I personally feel it's sloppy to compare any players, much less prospect to prospect, but um, Wentz has the athletic build. He has the simple delivery. I'm interested to see if they can work a similar magic with him and get the walks to go down, because if the walks go down with his stuff, the strikeups will definitely go up. Yep, I would agree. And, um, I mean, there's a lot to like just in his size. Um, you know, he is 6'5", probably 210 to 220 already. Um, you know, so he's got some playing on the fastball as well. And, yeah, I do think there's a lot to like. I mean, he does have two secondaries that are already considered at least above average. And I think you're right. I think the Tigers, you know, have shown some, at least, you know, of the two, um, whether it's teaching hitters or teaching pitchers, um, pitchers are the place where I feel like the Tigers are are better suited to to help someone who's got some you know some kind of basic mechanical issues. Um, so yeah, if they can get Wentz kind of driving a little more directly to the plate, maybe simplify things just a little bit, um, and maybe really it's just a matter of you know conditioning and and working his way back from the injury. I love betting on guys who've who've had an injury that wasn't too major um, and lost a little velocity as a result. So I am happy with that. I'm happy to get him. I just I wish there was a little bit more of an extra piece there for us, but. Um, yeah, like you said, Demerit, you know, pretty good, pretty good pickup and will probably be in the lineup before too long. So we'll get a look at him. Um, and at How least important do you think it is, Brandon, that, yeah. uh, Wentz is a lefty considering so many of the good pitching prospects in the system are, are righties. I mean, outside of Scooble and Soto, depending on how you feel about Soto, they're pretty much all right-handers. Yeah, this is true. And I mean, I definitely, you know, look at Gregory Soto as a, as a reliever, um, he and Anthony Castro, both I wish the Tigers would just get on with moving to relief. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that is, you know, that's a nice little feature. I don't worry too much about it. I don't, you know, concern myself too much with with trying to balance that, you know, in any kind of way, like forcing it to be balanced in the minor leagues. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's nice to get a guy who throws hard, potentially, again, who is a lefty, um, who has that kind of size. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting because we can talk about this now um, with these two before we move on to the Nick Castellanos deal. But um, but where, you know, they kind of fit into the Tigers minor league system right now. Um, we've already mentioned that Demerit probably won't be at AAA long if he is at all. Um, but Joey Wentz, it's, it sounds like is going to slot right in at Erie. Um, and that boy, that rotation is going to be nasty, friend. It already is. But that's uh, that's quite a pack of, of rotation mates they're going to have there with the Erie Seawolves. So the rotation is then Mize, Manning... Scooble, Wentz, Fiedo? Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is pretty ridiculous, indeed. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yep. And, you know, we don't know this for a fact, but um, just based on the way the Tigers like to do things, it seems pretty likely at this point that, you know, because they've already kind of, you know, tweeted a few things about that rotation that, yeah, we look at these five we've got, it doesn't really seem like they're going to promote anybody, does it? I mean, I, I kind of feel like they really value um, more than, than a lot of other clubs seem to, the idea of having all these guys play together, compete together, and hopefully um, make kind of a playoff push in the in the Eastern League and maybe um, maybe a little playoff fever there for uh, for Erie and a little bit of uh, exposure, I guess, to, to some minor pressure. Although, I don't know if that matters much for, you know, college pitchers who've, who've you know, pitched on Friday nights for years and it's probably not any, any more big time for them than that. But yeah, so yeah, the Erie Seawolves rotation is going to be sick. Um, if you're anywhere in the Erie vicinity or anywhere else the Eastern League travels to, um, that's definitely a group to get out there and see. Um, unfortunately, Casey Mize got, kind of got rocked again today, um, which is the second in three starts where that happened to him. But uh, 
I don't know, maybe still working his way back a little bit from the shoulder issue. I'm not not real sure what to think about that. I haven't seen him yet. So, as far as I'm concerned, I'd like to see. Um, I guess we can talk about it more later when we get into the Castellanos return. But I'd kind of like to see Manning promoted to Toledo, and they put Alex Lang, who was one of the guys they got for Castellanos, into that rotation. Because I really don't. I don't think it matters all too much that they stick together. Because well, yeah, it's nice to have friends on your team. But we really got to look at what's going to be best for their development. And continuing to have uh, Matt Manning just vaporize double-A hitters <laughs> night after night after night and throwing uh, a guy who has been a starter for his whole career and still could be, I mean, he hasn't worn out all his chances, into the bullpen for the sake of keeping your five guys together, really not a fan of that at all. Now, I, I know Mize is probably the highest floor of all the guys there, but I kind of want to see him get back to where he's completely back to the, from the injury yeah. before start challenging him again and then move him up to Toledo as well. I you know I, I really don't see any viable reason to keep these guys back from progressing in their development. Yeah, and you know I think in both those two cases you know I mean we both watch Matt Manning, you know, go up against double A hitters and pretty much as you said just just dusting people with the fastball. Um, at that level, he just he you know he doesn't even really need to lean on his secondary. It's very hard to just pretty much dominate any lineup out there. Um, and you do wonder if there's something to be gained by moving to Toledo. Maybe seeing his fastball get hit harder um, might get him to put a little bit more work into the secondaries this off season. Um, maybe maybe try to work on a on a fourth pitch. I've kind of always thought he could use something. Um, despite the fact that you know I'm I'm Matt Manning's biggest fanboy, I still think he could really use a pitch that moves horizontally to his glove side a little bit more, either a slider or a cutter, and maybe going up and taking some lumps would be good for him on that front. Um, but by the same token, if Matt Manning is controlling you know the curveball and he's locating that and he's locating the changeup, he's sort of just facing himself at this point. So I don't know if it matters that much, but I I definitely am of the sort to agree that I would like to see guys challenged late in their season. Um, give them a little bit of taste of what they're gonna what they're gonna face the next year. Kind of get them familiar with the grounds, with some of the guys they're gonna play with, with the coaching staffs. Um, I to me that's more valuable than you know all playing together in the Eastern League and you know maybe going on a brief little playoff run. Um, I don't really see any particular value to that myself. But I mean the point the Tigers are making in trying to have these guys go through those playoff runs is try to get them in tense situations, right, and have the thrill of victory and the sting of defeat yeah that triple a ball is no joke if you want the sting of defeat put a guy in triple a for his first start yep the first couple balls that that you know look like pop-ups and go out of the stadium is going to going to be kind of a wake-up call for sure absolutely yeah so i mean i guess you can look at it either way you know if they want them to just kind of cruise out the rest of the year and you know and go into the offseason confident and all feeling good about themselves i guess that's one way to look at it but yeah um, I don't think any of the two would be overmatched at Toledo. Um, both of them would probably do fine, um, and I would like to see them see them do that. But it just kind of feels like the pattern of the Tigers to be real slow with how they, they bring guys along. Um, if you move them both up to Toledo and they pitch well and then they come out next year at Toledo and they're both dominating, um, everybody's going to be screaming for them to be in the Tigers' rotation immediately. And I do think Manning at least needs more time. Um, I would agree that if Casey Mize can just kind of get over the health issue and get back to where we've seen him. Um, he, he's very ready to be challenged and could probably handle, you know, a quick promotion to the major leagues next year, but we'll just have to see what they decide on that front. Um, let's go into the, the Nick deal, the Nick Cassianos trade to the Chicago Cubs. Um, so we, we can kind of talk about Lang and, and kind of how he fits in. Um, 
for Nick Castellanos, which, you know, just as more of an overview, you know, I think a lot of us didn't, weren't real sure that anyone was even going to come calling for Nick Castellanos. Um, a couple of the teams that we thought might, um, might have an interest like the Braves, um, or possibly the Rays, you know, made deals for other bats. Um, the Rays traded for has Jesus Aguilar, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then they the, sent Jacob Ferry the other way. Yeah. Exactly. It was reported that, uh, what stuck the conversation there was that the Tigers wouldn't eat the salary, and we all lost our minds. And the Tigers promptly ate their salary for a decent return, and no one's mentioned it in the work chat since. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all expecting the worst um, just about every time out. So yeah, everybody was pretty upset if that was going to be going to be the problem. I mean, I don't love Jacob Faria, so I mean that didn't that didn't necessarily bother me to miss out on him either. But um, what did you think of of the return? We've got um, Alex Lang, yep, former first rounder um, back in 2017, like the 30th pick in the first round, um, right-handed pitcher, and Paul um, Richon, I believe it is, who's a 22-year-old right-handed pitcher who, in some cases, isn't even um, isn't even really ranked on the prospect list. He's he's a little bit more of a a work in progress type guy. Um, what are your thoughts on the two of them? Uh, I I think it's a better return than I was expecting for Nick. It's Arguably a better return than we got for uh, even J.D. Martinez. Yeah. Um, because both of these guys have distinct upside. Now, of course, we're not expecting either of them to turn into stars or anything. Um, but, you know, Richon isn't a star prospect, but he is. Uh, he, he was a former second rounder last year, and he was producing good numbers at high A. Um, 86 strikeouts, 18 walks, and 93 innings. Good control for average pitches. MLB Pipeline says it's an above-average slider. You know, that's that's an Elvin Rodriguez-ish pickup, and, you know, those guys often sometimes fly under the radar. But he was picking up some steam in the Cubs, um, Cubs Pipeline. I saw a couple of Cubs fans in my Twitter timeline that were a little bit disappointed to give him up, actually. Yeah. Um, Lang, on the other hand, Lang is the more interesting prospect to me, even though he's probably the worst one, because his stuff has backed up so much since he was a star at LSU. But the curveball is still there, and he still has a mess of a delivery. Um, but it's the Cubs have been starting him. The results were not there in high A, but he suddenly was performing better in double A, uh, 28 strikeouts in 39 innings. Um, and it looks like he has some of his fastball velocity back he was in the high 80s in 2018 but he's back up to topping out at 95 this year so that's why i really wanted to give him to give him another shot at starting because you're not going to work out the delivery with less reps and he's appears to be back closer to the form he was that got him a first round selection that's interesting to hear i hadn't i hadn't actually come across um notes that that he was back to hitting 95 um but yeah, I do remember, you know, that, that his velocity kind of went up and down um, when we were kind of doing research for the 2017 draft, um, kind of expecting the Tigers to take a pitcher. I was looking at him along with Fayeto and like D.L. Hall um, and a couple other guys. And I mean, yeah, the delivery is a little, just a little messy to me. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of high effort. He, he's, I think he's six foot two. I mean, I think they've got him, you know, marked down as like 190 pounds, 200 pounds. Um, he looks, you know, he looks more kind of slender and um, giraffish um, to me, <laughs> if that's a if that's a scouting term. And yeah, he's got kind of a quick, you know, explosive late arm action. Um, it, it's kind of a high effort delivery, and he will pull his head offline. 
um, as a result. But I mean, I, I certainly don't have any problem with with getting Alex Lang. I mean, by the same you know token, um, it's it's hard you know for a lesser position player or really for anything to get a really good position prospect. You just don't see those guys giving up, um, getting given up. So I think the Tigers did a lot better with Nick by, you know, choosing to take a couple of, you know, sort of project arms. Um, like you said, Alex Lang's got a, you know, a pretty good curveball still. Um, if he can kind of build that fastball velocity back up, you might still have a starter there. Um, if it was me, I mean, you kind of mentioned, you know, preferring, you know, to, to put him into the rotation um, in the area. I kind of thought at least that they, may, you know, might just kind of back off of him and keep him in Lakeland for the rest of the year. Um, you know, try to work on the delivery a little bit. Um, think about, you know, what they want to do as far as his conditioning and cleaning up his mechanics a little bit this offseason. And then maybe start him back at Erie um, again next year um, if, they, if they just don't want to promote anyone out of Erie. But, um, yeah, you know, not a bad, not a bad get at all. Um, I think you kind of can flip a coin as to which one of these two will end up having the higher ceiling. Um, Richon is another one who, you know, threw pretty hard in college, um, you know, was clocked up to 95 there and has seen his stuff kind of back up to more 89, 91, 92. Um, I don't know, from what I read, the Cubs pushed him pretty hard last year after the draft. Like, they didn't give him too much time off, and he worked quite a bit. We saw what happened to Alex Fajardo um, last year. You know, the Tigers pitched him coming off a pretty, well, they didn't, but after a pretty long um, college season, you know, he came out the next year and was was just flat in general. Um, so I don't mind taking a, taking a chance on a guy who's shown those flashes before. I mean, I generally figure if you threw a certain velocity, you know, before and don't have a real injury to explain it. And you're not like 30 years old or over and just have kind of built up a lot of wear and tear. There's a decent shot that, um, that that'll come back to him. So, yeah, I mean, I think they did the right thing by, by taking a couple pitchers there because I think the upside there is a lot better than anything they would have got um, in terms of position players. So I would tend to agree that I'm, I'm pretty happy there. Um, I'm not really sure. Where is um, Paul Rich on pitching at this point? What level? I don't even know. He was pitching in high A in the, Cubs system, so he'll probably just slot into the Lakeland rotation. Okay, so he won't even have to change leagues. Good for him. Yeah, <laughs> that should be convenient. Yeah, it ought to be, but um, that kind of leaves me wondering who is going to be the odd men out at Lakeland. Well, at Lakeland, but also, you know, where what happens to Logan Shore and to Kyle Funkhauser, who are both guys who have had pretty underwhelming seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think Kyle Funkhauser, you know, he's done well at Erie. Um, I don't really see any point to him being with Erie. Um, so I assume they will just send him back up to Toledo, tell him to sink or swim um, for the rest of the year. Yeah, and as far as Logan Shore, I mean, I mean, Logan Shore just doesn't really have anything, in my opinion, to offer. Like, it's a, you know, it's a fringy fastball changeup combination. I still don't really like, you know, either of his breaking balls. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I sort of don't care. <laughs> Exactly where he comes up, he's you know he's kind of a non-prospect in my eyes. So I don't know if if he can, you know, maybe just I don't know. You know, I guess you never know if they want to save everybody's innings and and take care of these guys and still get them to the play, the postseason. They may have to skip you know Matt Manning possibly, um, possibly Alex Fajardo too. I don't know if they want these guys you know pushing up much more than 150 innings. So maybe you just. Maybe you just keep Shore there, um, let him sort of do middle relief, and then take the occasional you know spot start when there's a doubleheader or whatever. Uh, but I mean, I just don't think there's enough there to even really concern myself with him. He just kind of fits into the org wherever he does, I suppose. Yeah. All right. I think we did pretty well um, 
overall, I mean, it, it all comes down to, you know, trading or not trading Matt Boyd. Did you think there was really any hint, to, you know, or of truth to, you know, talk about like Buck Farmer, that maybe some teams were checking in there or some of the Tigers' smaller pieces? Yeah, if teams were checking in on Farmer, they would have dealt for him. There's yeah. no way the price there was too high. And the other guys that were getting sent for bullpen help, I mean, there were no arms yeah. available. So if teams really were checking in on Buck Farmer more than just Al saying, hey, do you want Buck? And the other GM going, no. No. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that's, I can't imagine there's too much real interest. Otherwise, he'd be gone. Yeah, you would think so. I think the problem with Buck Farmer is that he doesn't have any options left. You know, I assume the Cubs or the the Braves would both like to have the option of, of using him down the stretch, but um, but without the ability to send him down, I mean, there's still a decent chance that you just end up having to, to release him or something like that, so just no no real value there. I would agree. Um, overall, to take a look at the wider trade deadline for just a minute, uh, you know, the two teams that typically are very active and weren't um, were the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. Um, the Red Sox farm system, you know, is pretty well depleted. You're kind of down to, like, Tristan Cassius, the first baseman with power, and... Who else you got? Jay Groom, I guess. You know, there's 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 a couple pieces with with talent, but um, but nobody anybody highly regards. And then the Yankees, everybody expected to pick up a starting pitcher and possibly a reliever as well, and they didn't do anything. Um, do you think? I don't know. Do you think Dave Dombrowski just has just kind of run out of chips in in Boston? I'm sure he would have liked to have upgraded somewhere, but they they really haven't done anything. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. I mean, the, at the top of their system, they've got. Um, Trenton Cassius, who comes in at the back end of top 100 lists. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, who is doing okay in AA. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty much it. I, someone might want to take a take a f- chance on Jay Groom, but honestly, in my opinion, the Red Sox are probably best off holding on to him until he completely flames out. Because the upside there is so high, and his trade value has never ever been lower. Yeah, it's very possible he'll do he'll pull a Tyler Kolek and never get out of uh, single A. But honestly, what's Boston got to lose at this point? Yeah, I think that's true. And I mean, Boston did just win a World Series, so I guess that buys you some time where you don't have to necessarily go and and strip the farm down to the absolute studs um, to try to just get, you know, another reliever or something, something along I those mean, it's, lines. It's already at the studs. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. They I mean, could have dealt for someone, but it'd be their very last usable piece to do it. Yeah. Yeah, although they've shown the willingness to go that far in the past, um, and we've seen Dave Dabrowski go that far uh, before. But really, it's the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees seem to... to to really value Debbie Garcia, who's their top pitching prospect now, um, Esteban Floriel, center field prospect, who has just kind of just kind of stagnated a little bit over the past year. He was a guy that people you know really liked last year, thought might take off, and just kind of hasn't yet. And then you've got Clint Frazier, who you know is a decent corner corner outfielder with power, but um, but not really anybody special. Hasn't really come along. Getting a little bit older. Um, do you think that's kind of the, the problem there too? Like they're just, they just don't have enough high end chips to, to really even bother that in a certain sense, the Yankees roster is, is so good already that it's really hard to figure out exactly where you upgrade other than getting the guys who are supposed to perform to perform. So maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's what that comes down to for them. I think it might've been wise on their part to, um, add another infield option. 
because Gregorius hurt his wrist, and, you know, they, the infield there is not their point of depth. But, you know, first of all, Tigers fan can't really throw stones on depth. And <laughs> secondly, um, I mean, the, the whole team is so good, I, I don't blame them for not mortgaging any of their pieces. I don't quite see why they didn't deal Clint Frazier if they were serious about anyone, but if they weren't really serious, then absolutely hang on to everyone and see what happens. Yeah. It may just be, you know, kind of kind of a similar case as I mean, obviously Clint Frazier is a better prospect than Jay Groom at this point, but his value isn't exactly at its highest point right now. And, you know, the Yankees don't need don't need really depth. They don't really need minor upgrades. Um, if they were gonna go for something, they were they were gonna go big. I mean you can piece it together with Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu and I guess Giovanni Urshela and probably be all right. Um, but yeah, you'd think they'd have some concerns because Didi Gregorius does does kind of have a an injury prone injury checkered background, and um, they're going to be dependent on him come to the postseason. And anyway, we don't really care what happens to the Yankees, so if they lose, that's that's just fine by us. Um, real quick, last thing I want to talk to you about is the Astros' return for Zach Greinke, because the one big move that did go down today was, of course, the Astros doing what they do, going out and collecting yet another top-tier, high-end starting pitching talent. Um, they picked up Zach Greinke from the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it sounds like the Diamondbacks are going to pay $24 million, um, in Zach Greinke's salary as well. Um, but can you tell us about the prospect package that they returned, at least just, just generally, just a little overview? Well, uh, they managed not to deal Tucker or Whitley. I was pretty impressed about that. Yeah. The the three top guys they lost were Beer, Bukoskis, and Martin. Um, Seth Beer was a big-name prospect from last year. He can hit. He can hit for power. He takes a lot of walks. He's god-awful in the field. Probably a DH um, I mean, there's really almost no doubt that he's going to be a DH, but that bat is legit. Bugoskis and Martin are both have a ton of stuff. They both have a little bit of question about their control, although Martin, Corbin Martin probably will have decent control when uh, all is said and done. But Bukoskis has not performed this year, and he's spent six of his 20 games in relief. And Corbin Martin just underwent Tommy John surgery, so he's going to be out for a year plus. So, um, really, I like what the Diamondbacks did and adding those three. There's a lot of talent there, and they all have significant questions that made them available to be dealt by Houston. The fourth guy they added was um, Joshua Rojas. Joshua, I don't know if you're familiar with the Fringe 5 series. Yeah. Fangraphs. I, I are they still doing that? Um, I don't read fangraphs as often as I should. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Someone does at least a variant of it, but I, I think the Fringe Five ended with um, Karsten Sestouli leaving. But yeah, but I'm familiar, yeah. sure. The Joshua Rojas was a recent Fringe Five darling, um, so that kind of bodes well for his future. Guys featured in that series usually do very well because it combines both scouting and statistics. Um, and he he doesn't really have a lot of tools. But he's hitting 310, 402, 586 in AAA. Yeah. And Steamer likes him. So uh, overall, I like the package, especially because the Diamondbacks were out of it and it's a big old contract. So they did what we've been saying the Tigers should do and trade a guy with a big old contract and eat the money and get a bunch of prospects in return. Yep, there it is. Um, and yeah, you know, Zach Greinke isn't Justin Verlander at this point. Like, I can understand people having even a little bit more concern about how he's going to hold up in the years to come. But he's such a control artist. Um, he's going to be an interesting fit in Houston 
just because he he was I don't want to compare him to Trevor Bauer and like you, something you said earlier I I'm not a big fan of comps either uh, I always try to preface any any comp with with you know the you know the caveat that I'm just trying to give someone a vague idea because yeah I mean everyone is different um, even if you think the players on the field are are similar you know just just people people are different you never know how guys are going to develop um, in different ways what issues they might have what strengths they might uh, come up with but. Um, yeah, Zach Grinke is a guy who really, really is a thoughtful pitcher. Um, kind of, kind of talked about like a savant type guy. So adding him into that mix with Verlander and Cole, um, working with Brett Strom, who is one of my favorite pitching coaches in the game, um, should be really interesting. I, I think that's that's just a really cool group there, and I think it makes you know just for a, another wrinkle in that rotation. Uh, I did think they might go after another lefty, and I still thought there was a chance they might come hard for Boyd at the end. But, um, but you put Zach Greinke's kind of soft-tossing, command-and-control genius in between you know, the flamethrowers in Verlander and Garrett Cole, and um, that's, that's a tough three-game stretch for, for any team's lineup. So I think they did well there. Um, once again, they're very fortified for the postseason. Um, and yeah, like you say, they, didn't, they still haven't had to give up Tucker or Whitley. Um, and being able to hang on to those guys and continue to, to make these, these serious upgrades. They also picked up Martin Maldonado, who their pitching staff all apparently loved throwing to last year. Um, picked him up on a small deal and sent Tony Kemp, bleh, Tony Kemp back to the Cubs. Um, you know, just, just kind of um, Astros' usual stuff here. Just, um, just looking like the best team in baseball again and uh, primed for a deep run. And I think they probably expected J.B. Bukaskis to maybe be you know, helpful in their rotation later on this year. And that just wasn't coming to fruition. So it's no loss um, to deal him. They don't, you know, you can find a first base DH type, um, even if Beer, you know, decides to hit like Peter Alonso, which I don't quite expect. And then, yeah, Martin, like you said, um, you know, a, a nice starting pitching prospect, but um, a guy who's going to be out for over a year now probably won't see any action until 2021. Um, so, yeah, that's that's beyond Houston's, you know, immediate window anyway. So no, no big loss to them there. How would you felt about getting that package in return for Boyd? Um, I would have hated it. Um, I mean, I think it's fine for Grinky, um, but you're still paying more for you know the the two years of Grinky that they're going to pay for, um, even with the money back. I mean, that's an expensive pitcher, and it just comes down to what we need. Um, you know, Matt Boyd needs to. I mean, he's the last kind of golden trade chip the Tigers have, um, barring something else changing. Um, and so, yeah, you need to get, you know, that top 50 bat. Um, the Tigers need those position player prospects badly. Um, they did a nice job today building up the pitching depth in the system even further. Um, I don't think anybody in the minor league, any system in the minor leagues can boast better pitching than the Tigers um, at this point. Maybe there's a few that can kind of match them. Um, you look at the Padres or still maybe the Braves. Um, some really nice arms on both those two clubs. But um, but in terms of pitching, the Tigers are basically set to the point that there almost isn't room for these guys if uh, if they were actually promoting them kind of where they, you know, maybe more naturally would fit. So, yeah, the depth there is good. But, yeah, if we're going to trade Matt Boyd, I just I just don't think you can do it unless you can get that, that big bat at a key position. Um, you know, even getting a right fielder who can hit, um, you know, I, I like, I liked, um, Jesus Sanchez from the Rays, you know, there was some kind of, some talk that the Tigers had been scouting him, um, for a potential Boyd deal. I like a guy like that. I like first baseman who hit, but, um, those guys are easier to acquire in free agency or by trade, um, just kind of as need comes around. So I, I just think they need to hold out for a shortstop center fielder, you know, second baseman, um, someone along those lines who can really hit. And then another second, you know, piece that's, you know, like a 50 future value guy somewhere around 
late top 100. Um, and I, I think it's just got to come down to that to, to trade a guy who's pitching as well as Boyd is this year and is still going to be very cheap for three more years. Would you have taken it? Mm, uh, probably not. It's just a little I too speculative. Yeah, it's just a little too speculative with Martin, too. You know, like guys come back from Tommy John fairly regularly now, but a lot of times it takes a really long time. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think I think part of the trouble I'd have with it is that um, you're really you're wagering on floor there. Yeah. With these guys, but Bukoskis's floor is not what we thought it was because he's been really underperforming in Double A. Martin's floor might not be what we thought it was because of surgery. Rojas's floor is probably a bench bat, um, second baseman, decent player, but you don't you really don't see a lot of ceiling there. Yeah. So. I, I don't love trading your last very good trade chip for a bunch of guys with floors. Yeah, it kind of feels like, I mean, they're they're really trying for the upside in that deal, it feels like. They're really hoping that Bukaskis turns around, that Martin can come back healthy and, and get back to where he was. Um, and maybe if they had taken some of the more safe plays out there, they just would have gotten less. And so taking that risk, and, and also obviously the Diamondbacks, because they're not going anywhere, um, clearing Zach Greinke's money um, was probably you know pretty appealing, at least most of it, um, to them. And they ended up hel- holding on to Robbie Ray, who it sounds you know like much like Boyd, um, teams just weren't willing to give up the the key prospects um, to acquire. So so it goes. Not the wildest uh, trade deadline I've ever seen, but there were so many small moves today that that it really felt like it was just coming in you know with with an intensity that that was abnormal. <laughs> there were just a lot of little minor league deals. Um, I kind of mentioned last week that, you know, with the non-waiver period, with the waiver trade period um, that used to be in August now removed from the schedule, there's just really no opportunities to upgrade in all those little ways that you might have to um, if you have an injury or something like that. And I think we did see some teams, you know, take steps to, to try to shore up a few areas where they thought they might not have a backup plan. Um, but other than that, you know, it was a couple big deals and uh, and not a whole lot else. I think this this deadline had two of the strangest deals I've ever seen. Yeah. Which were the uh, the three-team deal that sent Bauer to the Reds, and also a deal we didn't talk about, which was the Marlins and Diamondbacks exchanged prospects. The Marlins sent Zach Gallen to the Diamondbacks in exchange for Jazz Chisholm. Yeah. Which really made no sense to anyone. So that that's kind of a footnote that'll probably stick out in my mind. This is a strange deadline. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Well, and even um, even the Mets trading for Marcus Stroman, like on the surface of it, they didn't pay that much to get Marcus Stroman. And if you could, you know, if you can get a good starting pitching pitcher for a year and a half for two decent pitching prospects, one of them maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I don't know. I guess you do that regardless. But it's still still rather bizarre that of the three top pitching prospects that were traded. Two of them went to non-contenders, so you just you don't usually see um, see that kind of thing happen. Um, I assume the Reds, you know, believe that with Trevor Bauer in house, that you know their rotation is going to be shored up. They do have some good arms down there, but they still seem so far away to me. And I thought they were kind of betting on you know Taylor Trammell or Trammell being you know being a big piece of their future. Um, so I, I really am at a loss for why they even bothered to get involved in that deal um, to begin with. So I don't know. You know, people were freaking out about the Padres' hand in that deal, but I really don't get it because Padres fans are throwing a hissy fit about losing Fran Mill Reyes. Is that how you say it? Fran Mill? Yeah, Fran Mill, I think, yep. Fran Mill Reyes and Logan Allen. 
and that uh, low miners lotto ticket guy, I can't remember his name, was it Victor or something? Yeah, I can't remember him either. <laughs> Essentially, they gave up a two-war player and two a back-end 100 prospect and a non and a, a lotto ticket for one of the top prospects in the game. And while it's kind of a strange move, it's a net positive. So I really don't understand why Padres fans were so up in arms about it. Yeah, I mean, I think if you just kind of look at like the upside of, of the players they gave up, you could probably convince yourself that they got hosed somehow. But I just think the problem is that they've got so much depth in their farm system um, that, yeah, being able to take, you know, a guy like Logan Allen, who's, you know, marginally better than Tyler Alexander, really. And then, you know, Fran Mil Reyes has huge power, but very limited, um, especially on a National League team as far as where he's going to play for you. So, yeah, I think turning those guys into one better prospect um, makes a lot of sense. And it's the kind of deal that doesn't doesn't really happen that often. Um, but we, we're kind of seeing so much imbalance, I think, in, in terms of the different farm systems out there because there are, you know, almost continually now four or five farm systems, you know, in Atlanta, Tampa, I guess you could still say Houston, San Diego. Um, you know, there, there's just those those killer farms out there that just kind of keep turning it over. Um, and yeah, you get in those situations where you're going to have to going to have to expose, you know, a decent player to the Rule 5 draft. And at that point, you know, you might as well go ahead and make some moves, um, move three guys, get one guy who's better. And uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that in the years to come. But that's still, yeah, that was still a little bit of a surprising, just a surprising deal. Um, I really thought the Reds kind of got the worst of it there. I'm, I just, I don't really understand what the Reds are trying to do. I'm a big Trevor Bauer fan as a pitcher. Um, it's nice to have Trevor Bauer, no doubt. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really understand that side. And then there was so much kind of funny stuff about the Mets and um, you know Brady Van Wagen and kind of coming out like we control the market now because we traded for Marcus Stroman and now the rest of you guys can't get him, so you're gonna have to come get Thor. And of course, no one traded for Thor, so Noah Noah, <laughs> Noah Syndergaard's still there. Wheeler. No one traded for Zach Wheeler, so I I don't know. I guess they have a you know a heck of a rotation going into next year, but I still don't know where the you know the, the lineup and the defensive talent's gonna come from on that team. I don't know. Pretty weird. You've got Pete Alonso. They do. <laughs> yeah, he can do a lot for you, that's for sure. I mean, Michael Conforto is a decent hitter, but yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a pretty pretty flawed team. Um, I don't know. I assume they'll be busy this offseason. Um, it feels like they're going to kind of become Seattle Mariners East and, you know, make tons and tons of trades all to little effect um, every every offseason, every trade deadline. So maybe, we'll, maybe it'll play out like that. At least things are nice and, and mellow in Seattle and you don't have all the hilarious strife and, you know, pitchers threatening to beat people up and managers losing their minds. And so it's a quieter scene out in Seattle anyway. Jack runs yeah. a tight ship. <laughs> all right. I think we're going to let it go there. Um, it's been an interesting day. I think we're all tired. Um, we probably all got things to write. Um, really want to thank you for coming on, Jake. We just, you know, we want to have you on for a while and I'm glad we could we'd kind of make it work. Um, you got anything you want to promote? I know you got a couple uh, pieces already out on the site, but um, let it rip if you've got anything to promote right now. Nah, not really. I just want to um, invite any of you guys who are looking for, for video on the draftees to go over to my YouTube page because I go to Whitecaps games and shoot video so you can watch them there. But aside from that, I don't really have anything going on. I'm writing up the return from the Cubs. I have to get that done tonight because I'm going to be on the road at 4.30 tomorrow morning. Oh, good times. <laughs> uh, spend nine hours driving down to West Virginia. Oh, wow. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, well, that'll be fun. Yeah, we'll have a good time. <laughs> that sounds like a, you know, it's a beautiful drive. It's a long drive, but it's a beautiful drive. I'll be sleeping. <laughs> good deal. Good deal. That's the way to do it. 
All right, um, anybody out there, if you head over to Twitter, you can follow Jay at jmarklebex, or what is that, bottom slash <laughs> BYB? Underscore. underscore, thank you. I'm old. Underscore BYB. Um, you can follow me, Brandon Day, at Fiscadoro74. You can read all of our content at blessyouboys.com, and we'll be back with you next week. Thanks a lot for coming on, Jay. Have a good night.